What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Jiffy Morales, Big Jiff, and I hijack Soapboxing Podcast, and I'm here with Quentin Quickdraw Randall and his coach, Darren Collins. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> Derek Collinsworth. Hold on, though, but hold on, because I'm about to intro us real quick, okay? Okay, Lord. Derek, you might have to help me out. Nope. This is Soap Boxing Y'all got a lot of years in the game for this podcast, and that's a long intro, and we need to do it. <laughs> I was like, Woo, yeah, you got a lot, of, you got a lot of people on there. Mm-hmm. So what's up, y'all? Y'all just came back from a big win on Thursday. It was for you were defending your WBC silver title. No, I wasn't defending it this oh, one. Okay. Yeah, I'm defending it the next one. It wasn't it wasn't on the line this fight. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about that fight. This big this big twig that we was in there with. The dude was tall. I have never fought nobody that tall, but I've sparred people just as tall as him. So, but it's been a while. And so we don't really have nobody in Houston that tall at that weight. So we don't really have nobody using yeah that 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 matched the description of him at that particular weight. So, but I didn't have no problems with him. Uh, first couple rounds, I was just boxing, just to see what he would do, how he would do it, and then I just I just started to take over and be dominant round after round, slowly but for surely. But I watched the fight over. I probably only gave him round two. I will see why the judges gave him round two. I, I was just gonna say that I will see why the judges gave him. He was throwing punches, and you had your hands up, and even uh, you know they were they were blocked punches, but he was just he was busy. But you I know see. they don't really know what they be looking at sometimes. I see why they gave him round two, but other than that, I didn't give him a single round. Um, so yeah, I mean it was cool though. I felt like I could have stepped it up a little more towards the end, around six, seven, and eight. I felt like I could have do more punches been a little more dominant i probably could have got him out of there but he was a tough guy i give him credit but um we got to do it that's all that matters to me i think um for him being 147 at how tall was he six five yeah man i was i look god forbid i mean god forgive me but i was looking at his skin i could see like the bones through his skin and i was like man and i was wondering um 
because you said that he was a tough opponent. And I was like, dang, is he really like holding his own like that? Because he was so skinny. Yeah, he was skinny. He was he's tough, but still, dudes like that are tall. I mean, he tall. I mean, he had some. Uh, he wasn't necessarily a, a big puncher, but he had a good punch. Um, he probably hit me probably like two times flush the whole fight, once in a second, and uh, a lot of punches was rabbit punches. But I say probably once or twice the whole fight. But I felt the power early. I was like, okay, I know not to let him hit me with another one of them. Let me break him down a little more, and then. Boxing, so I started walking him down. Once I seen him start going backwards, I already knew what time it was. Yeah, well, I I noticed at the end the the crowd they were they were booing. Why do you think they were booing? No, it wasn't the crowd. It was his people that was booing. Oh, okay. uh, a lot of people that was in the crowd was on my side. I mean, they they was cheering for me and stuff. But it was he had a lot of people there. You know, they was on the west coast. I don't know how far California is from there, but he has some people there. And so his people was doing all the booing, but I still got a, I got a lot of uh, standing ovations as well. I got a lot of applause too. So I mean, it didn't bother me. That was the first time, in, first time I've ever been booed. I thought it was funny. So. I, I was, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh my God, not the boos. Like, no, because you know, I've been knowing you for what, like 13 years? And you know, like I kind of, I feel attached. I'm like, no, y'all not about to be booing him. Um, but I thought, like, because, you know, watching it, of course, it's hard to not listen to the commentators. They didn't really have anything bad to say about you. But they were saying they wanted to see a little more. They wanted you to pick it up. And I think even the lady in the post-fight interview, she asked you about, like, um, what did she say? People perceive it as, like, a boring fight. Well, those were her words because – she was saying that. What do I mean, you think about that? I, I didn't think it was boring at all. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't the most exciting. You know, I'm not finna go mano a mano, which I'm not finna sit there and go. So it's called boxing, not fighting. So, and the fighters that I grew up watching didn't fight like that. So I'm not gonna fight like that. So why would I give you a chance to win when I can just dominate you easily from the outside, get a dub, and go home? Now, if you make me, if you put me in a situation to where I have to fight you, then I'm gonna fight you. If you don't put me in that situation, then shit, fuck you. I'll whoop you. This is I'm gonna take give you as much punishment as possible and take as less punishment. And I'm gonna get that dub. So in in the beginning of this interview, you said that you probably could have like picked it up a little bit. At any point, did you you just felt like that wasn't necessary? And she was like, Well, shit, I'm winning. I'm gonna just be content. Cause you always look so cool, calm, like don't really look under pressure at all ever now nah, it was it's more so a mental thing I, I my I, like i'm in great shape great shape you know i'm always training i just gotta trust my body and trust that when i'm do feeling a little fatigue that my body's gonna shake back fast it's not gonna keep going downhill it's gonna recover real fast i just gotta trust my i just gotta trust my conditioning my stamina i gotta trust all the hard work i put in that's basically it so when I'm ready to chop you down, when I'm ready to throw more punches and go for the knockout, that my body will sustain it. It just be a mental thing. Once I tap into that, because I do it in sparring all the time, and I've done it in a, I've done it in a fight on the top rank fight. I had to tap into it. So because that's because he put me in a situation to where I had to tap into it. This dude didn't. So 
but now I'll be fine, man. The more I fight, the more my whole arsenal is going to come out, the more you're going to see the full ability of me. So I'm just ready for the next one. I'm literally ready for the next. I hope it was next month, but we got to wait till September. So Yeah, I just saw us for September 29th. Where is it? That's in uh Dallas. Who is Luis Hernandez Ramos? I have no idea. Okay, that's who you're fighting. Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell y'all y'all had an opponent yet. No, we knew. I just okay. uh, I forgot his name. Shit. I just know he's my next victim. What do you think? Because, man, as a boxer, like, it's really hard um, for me anyways. I know you always give me a lot of tips when I'm in the ring to think about, like, like they say, play like a chess match. The next move. What's going through your mind when you're fighting? Mm, it'd be a lot of stuff going through my mind when I faint. See what he do when he faint. When I jab, do he try to catch the jab? Does he have tails before he throw a punch? Does he have any like glitches in his armor? Like all types of stuff go through my mind. Um, what punches will work? If I've been throwing the same punch repetitively, repetitively. And he's starting to catch on. I, I switch it up. See, with this fight, I was throwing a lot of straight rights. Well, I didn't throw a lot of right hands at all much this fight. But the majority of the time I threw it, it was always a straight right. So so when I looped the right hand on the side of the head, he wasn't ready for it. Like, I threw it probably like four times. Like He wasn't ready for it at all. And so it opened up the door for me to land a five and other punches. So I'm always thinking in there, man. I'm always thinking. Yeah, it looks like everything you do has a purpose behind it. Um, what do you think about your power? Do you sit down? Like, do you try to go for the knockout ever? Yeah, I mean, I've tried to go for knockouts before, but never, I didn't go for it in this fight. Um, it was just more of a, uh, just me pot shot, just me getting the shots off instead of more so sitting on the power. I could have sat on the powers more in round six, seven, and eight to get him, try to get him up out of there. That's why I say trust in my condition. But uh, I got power. Shit, you seen me spar? A lot of people know if you've been in the ring with me, you know I can punch. I just don't be going for. I just don't be focused on that in the fight. I just let my hands go. I just box smoothly. And now, if you if you complete trash and you ain't got no business being in there with me and then I'm gonna get you up out of there, but man, I don't be worried about the knockout. I like to see how my I love the box, bro. I love it. So I love going rounds. I know you don't get paid for overtime, and the knockout would excite people, and then that's what gets you the the promotional deals and all that. And I understand that. I feel like the greater my opposition is, when the, my opposition gets bigger, is when my, I'm going to get the knockouts. I'm going to stop the people that you least expect me to stop because I don't have the knockouts over the people that you thought I was going to stop. Mm -hmm. So. And that's because they're going to underestimate me. That's because they're not going to realize how big of a puncher I am until it's too late. Yeah. You know what story I'm about to bring up. Where you going? <laughs> when you, yeah, when you dropped me with a body shot. Oh, man. <laughs> Derek, did you hear about that? Yeah, that fucking bully. I get in the ring with anybody all like all the time. Q is always willing to help. He's talking about I'll get in there with you. I'll get in there with you. It's fine. I'm a you know, just talking mess. And he I 
<laughs> I barely touched her, man. No. He said barely, but his hands are fast. They fast and his punches are accurate. So he hit me in the right spot with the quickness and it did not feel good. So I, I begged him for, because he said something. Didn't you post it on social media? So, oh yeah, he posted it and said he, he got a body today and it was a girl, but like he made a big deal about it. And everybody was like, everybody was like, Saying stuff, and I, I begged him for about a week. I'm like, cute, please, please tell them, tell them that you hit me, that I went crazy and you hit me hard. I like, <laughs> he and he said, he was like, I got you, I got you, I'm gonna do it. He made me wait, he made me wait like a week after that before he finally said something because honestly, he didn't, he, he really believed that he didn't hit me hard. So he didn't even want to say that because he felt like it was a lie. That's true. But I did. So, uh, <laughs> but it's okay because, you know, that's what builds character. I'm tough. I'll get in there with anybody and I'll take anything. Like, that's just, that's just going to help me grow. But for, for those who don't know, the dynamic between you two because i really don't know i've been knowing q for what i've been knowing you for like 13 years i just kind of met you Derek, and you so graciously let me be on your podcast as a host like oh thanks but i don't know how you two started working together so tell me how that happened i came to Derek when i first got out of prison probably like the first month i got out of prison because my uh my son's uncle and aunt was training with him at the time. And it was right down the street from my house. So I'm standing, Katie, I'm standing with my mom. I'm fresh out of prison. I don't know who to go to. So my son's mom told me my uh my brother and sister boxing, they got this coach named uh they got this white boy that trained him. And I was like, Yeah, I don't want to train no white boy. <laughs> every all my fighters I grew up watching Floyd Mayweather, Bernard Hopkins and um I'm Roy Jones, they all had black coaches. So I was like, ah, I don't want to train no white boy. But I was like, all right, I'll go by that and see. Because there were no black coaches in the area. It was either white or Mexican. So I was like, yeah. So but when I seen how dominant my son's aunt and uncle was, I was like, okay. All right, I'm going to fuck with it. And then, um, shit. What were they doing that made them, like, dominant? They was whooping ass. They was whooping kids' ass that was older than them, more experienced. And so, uh. I was like, all right, I'm going to fuck with it. And then shit, the rest is pretty much history. There was a time where, like, y'all had taken a break, right? Because I met you when you were, when yeah. we were training in uh, in Humble. Yeah, you met me when I was with Ron and Lynn at uh, Hit Gym, Humble. That was that, that was in 2000 and I want to say 14. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh yeah, we had taken a small break. And then we reconnected, uh well we never lost contact. We was always in communication. Then we started back working together a little bit after I won nationals and then before I started like a year before I started my pro career. That's when we finally uh linked back up all the way. I think um People don't really know like what 
Uh, maybe they do. I'm not sure. I just I remember seeing your growth because um, we kind of like started. I don't know how much experience you had when we met, but I had a couple of fights. We went to some fights together. We went to the nationals one year together. What was that in 2015? And Q sat with me in the sauna because I couldn't make weight because my cycle started and I ended up saying, well, F it, I'm not going to fight at all. I didn't even show up to the weigh-ins or anything. And, um, and Q actually fought. You remember that, that tournament? Yeah, yeah. My first time at Nashville, I got my ass whooped. I started, that was that was like the second time I've ever fought with a headache. And my head was bumping. And I couldn't shake that motherfucker. Like every time I hit the mitts, I felt like a crazy vibration going through my brain. Man. I couldn't warm up properly. I couldn't even jump rope. So first round, I probably threw one good straight right in the first round. Caught him flush. This is when we fight with no head gear. This is when the Olympic qualifiers. No headgear. The whole time, that whole year was no headgear. So I had more fights without headgear than I did with headgear. So I threw one good right hand that first round. After that, it was on my ass. With my ass old fight. So I finally had got my rematch with him in the next Olympic qualifier in Colorado Springs. I was ready then. I ain't had no headache. I had vengeance on my mind. I took his ass up. Yeah, I remember um, because I think after, shortly after that, I had taken like a little break and then um, I like got off of social media and everything. And I went back on social media and I just saw like Q was doing his thing. And I'm like, what happened? Like what? Like what? What turned on the switch for you? Because at one point I didn't feel like you were like 100 percent serious. But that's just my opinion. But I. Like what turned on? Did you feel like you weren't a hundred percent serious at one point? And did a switch turn on for you? Hell no, nah. I was always hundred percent serious. Shit, I ain't had no choice. It was either I was going to work or I was at the gym. Hell, I was literally staying at my gym. So, oh, that's true. And maybe I just think that because like we joked around a lot. So I don't know. Don't listen to me. <laughs> uh, I was always hundred percent serious. It was just I was just man. I was that that chip bone in my elbow played a major part and why I couldn't advanced in these tournaments because I was getting to the semifinals and so many different I made it to the semifinals three times but I just needed one more fight to, to make it to the Olympic trials but every time I made it to the semifinals my elbow was so swole by then I didn't have three or four fights my elbow was swole like it was it wasn't shit I can do to bring the swelling down and by by the time I'm in that third or fourth fight I couldn't use it no more like so I pretty much was a one-on fighter in that fighting motherfuckers who had some go. So I was at a disadvantage. So I was always falling short. Fuck. So when I finally won, it wasn't that I turned the corner or anything like that. It's just that I was better prepared. I was with her at the time. You know, she's a massage therapist, so I brought her along with me. So after every fight, I had a massage in my arm, my elbow for me, and I'm icing it so the swelling can stay down so I can continue to use it like I needed to after every fight. That pretty much was the key because when I made it to the semifinals, I won unanimously. And then when I made it to the finals, this time, there was no swelling. There was no anything I was able to use. It, it was still hurting, but I was able to get through the pain. Because when I won nationals, man, I had a broke rib and a chip bone in my elbow. Wow. And I know that takes a lot of, like, mental strength because – Hell, sometimes people can't get past pain. What 
like what motivates you to to like not pay attention to the pain but that's that that's a testament to how much i love the sport because if i didn't love it i wouldn't go through the pain to do it you know yeah. going to chip bone in your elbow you got a broke rib they were like man fuck this shit i'm a rest like nah and then i got such a fucking warrior mentality and a warrior spirit and that goes from from the fighters I watch and all my times I spent in the streets fighting, like I refuse to give up in a fight. I refuse. I, and the embarrassment of losing be too damn much for me sometimes. I don't. I hate that feeling. So fighting through the pain ain't a problem for me. It's just that ain't never been a problem for me. I'm gonna fight through all the pain. Like I go through hell and high water before I ever quit. If I'm ever in a situation to where I pray to God I'm never in a situation to where. I got to be saved, then that's exactly what it is, because I ain't going to never quit. I'm going to have to be saved. Yeah. I like that. I need some warrior mentality. Can you send me some? <laughs> yeah, you got it. I do that all the time. It's just your punch selection. Once you get your punch selection down back, know what to throw, when to throw it. Yeah, I need to, like, study a little more. I Look. I can't tell you enough, like how much, like I just appreciate you and your knowledge. And I I feel like I can't focus if you're not at my fights. I only, like I always hear one voice and it's always your voice. And I don't think, I don't think there's anybody else that I respect more in boxing than you. And I, and I know that it's not just me that you impact. I know that you impact a lot of a lot of kids at at your gym they're right oh yeah they following like fucking lost puppy i gotta <laughs> tell him stop that shit sometimes he got he got a job to do and you got a job to do but yeah he's he's such a uh he's such a leader by example that the, the kids in the gym and when i say kids you know guys that's only a year or two younger than him. They follow his lead, and uh, he's a hell of a leader, and they're always trying to help. No different between, I'm sure, what, what he does with you and what he does with the, you know, the guys at the gym, man. And he 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 uh, he genuinely cares about y'all, you know, wants everybody to uh, do good. Yeah. I just, I enjoy, I, I enjoy helping people. I didn't have nobody like in the pros, looking out for me or giving me advice when I was coming up, bro, it was just me. It was just me and the coach, me and my coach. Like, I didn't ever have no, like, you got some people who were brought up under Jamel Charlo or people who brought up under Reese, like Shakur, he brought up under Crawford and Ward. Like, man, I don't got that. I ain't never had that. So when I have an opportunity to get that to another fighter, if they think highly of him, they respect me enough and I'm one of that fighter, yeah, I'm gonna do that. So, man, I, it had been time when I was on the USA team, man, I'm Sending home gloves, headgear, for, to all the fighters. Making sure they got what they need if they were serious about it. Like, I do stuff at the gym. Like, okay, whoever win 10 fights in a row, I'll bring you to my next major fight with me. No matter where it's at, I'll take care of everything. Just to give them some extra motivation. I don't never tell them no. Only time I may tell them no is when it comes to hitting the mitts because of my elbow. For some reason, that bothers my elbow when I hit the mitts with other fighters. But it don't never bother when I'm punching. I don't know what it be. So I, don't never, I never tell them, never deny them. They want to come to the gym, come on. You want to come do shrimp and conditioning, come on. Need advice, I got you. I never deny them. 
And I never denied nobody. It can be a complete stranger that sent me that that spawn on Instagram or Facebook. Like, bro, can you check this out for me? Tell me what you see. I'm like, all right, cool. Tell me, send it to me. I don't know who these people be. Never been before in my life. But if they send it to me, I'm going to tell them what I see. And because it's at the end of the day, every time you're in that ring, your life is on the fucking line. Literally. You could have had 50 good fights. You can have one bad one that can end your life. Or it can change your life forever for the worse. So... It's, I feel like it's every fighter's responsibility when you know, when you have knowledge to share it with other fighters who seek knowledge. Yeah. And and we appreciate that. Like, I know I do. Because, yeah, it's, it's only so much that you can learn from, from your culture, your corner. But then, like, there's other things that I see in other fighters that I admire. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? Or how do you understand that? And, you know, what do you do? Do you study film? or? And it's it's always good to have someone that you can look up to. And see, for me, uh, it's, always, it's always good to watch other fighters. Like, I admire a lot of stuff that other fighters do. But at the same time, I stay within my ability. Mm. I don't see other fighters do something like it's nothing that another fighter can do that I can't do. Like as far as combinations and shit like that. But if it isn't in the realm of my ability or comfortability, if I'm not used to doing it at this particular way, I just do it my way. I just do it my way. I find my own way of doing things that works for me because I have long arms. So it's going to be a little different than me when somebody who has shorter arms who can throw a beautiful combination. And I want to throw that exact one. It's a little different for me. Time and range. And distance is everything for me. So it's a little different. So I stay within my ability and range when it comes to stuff like that. So. Yeah. And that's important, too. How was it um, being on the USA team? And you were captain of the USA team, right? Yeah, I never. that was never part of the plan. I was never trying to be on the USA team. I never even knew. That I thought after I won Nationals, my goal, my plan was, okay, win Nationals. I had an opportunity to go pro December 4th. Nationals was December 10th. So I was like, nah, I'm going to fight in Nationals. And then after this national, after I win, my plan was, okay, after you win Nationals, they're going to give you insurance, you can get your elbow fixed, and then go pro. That was the whole plan. So after I won Nationals, they was telling me, they was like, okay, Q, uh, we're expecting you at camp. I was like, huh? How do you mean camp? It was like, yeah, we're expecting you at camp in uh, Colorado Springs. Monthly stipend. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay. Pay <laughs> me now. And I'm going, I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So they were like, you go to camp. You got to go fight around the world. I was like, shit, let's do it. I ain't tripping. Let's do it. Like, it was never part of the plan. I never, I never had intentions on being on USA team. I never had intentions on traveling the world fighting or being a team captain everything just never had them plans was not in my i don't even think about the shit it was all about the pros for me i've always all my fights was always getting me ready for the pros mm -hmm. so when i won and all that became a, a option for me then i just i jumped on it how did they choose you to be captain because after our first team captain they got uh they had removed our first team captain, so they didn't have one. And I just, man, I, I'm, I'm just the oldest. I was the oldest male. All these guys was, I'm 26 years old at the time. 
all these young guys with 17, 18, I'd be damned if I let a 17, 18-year-old tell me what to do. Yeah. Be the leader. I'm like, no. Nah. So I naturally, in the streets, I was a leader. I'm just naturally an alpha male. Like, I'm just naturally gone. And so I just was just doing it naturally. And they was listening to me. They look at me like I'm their big brother. So they was like, all right, Q, you the new team captain. So I was like, all right, cool. New team captain must come with some extra money. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Came with Who were some of the guys that you that you came up with that you were on on Team USA with? Oh, uh, every last one of the hottest prospects in the world that top rank has: uh, Duke Reagan, Troy Isley, Tiger Johnson, Fernando Johnson, Jared Anderson, Richard Torres, Keyshawn Davis. Jenny French, Mikhail Mayer, like everybody that's all these top prospects that you see on TV that's on top ranking ESPN, Mike Angeletti, or PBC that's destroying the game right now. I was never all of them. Does it, how does it make you feel like, do you feel, do you compare yourself that, you know, you weren't, you're not with top, top rank or I don't know what the thought process is, but nah, their, their, their blessing is their blessing. Whatever God has in store for them, that's their blessing. Whatever he has in store for me is gonna come, and it is. It's here. I can't complain. I'm undefeated still. Yeah. So I haven't had the opportunities like they've had. I mean, I mean, and I did. I fought on top rank. I fought on two, three PVC cards. I fought on Triller card. Maybe I had more knockouts. I could have. They probably eat the deal with me. I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. I'm still undefeated. Yeah. So yeah, I never. At first, I was always wondering, like, damn, bro, how they like, damn, I ain't got an opportunity yet. Like, I was on the USA team. I kicked a lot of ass overseas. Like, damn. They don't like what they see. So I was like, that was plaguing me my first year, year two. But after that, I was like, man, fuck that. Fuck them. I'm going to keep whooping them. Whatever they put in front of me, I'm going to beat the brakes off of them. So I came to the point where I was like, all right, top-ranked PBC, if y'all got somebody that y'all pushing, that y'all think needs a step-up fight to make it to to, to extend to that next level, send them my way. I take care of I, I really like that mentality. I remember one time we was having a conversation at the gym and, and I was like, I'm really stuck on like this whole A side, B side thing, or I was, you know, before. <laughs> and I was like, what do you feel about that? And you said, I don't care. I don't like, it doesn't matter. But I, there's a lot of people who understand um, the business of boxing and a lot of people who don't. And even some of us who are boxing, we don't understand yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a blessing, bro, that I haven't signed a, a con. I didn't have some motherfuckers sell me some wolf tickets, sell me dreams, tell me this, tell me that. I didn't have motherfuckers send me some contracts. I was like, man, what the, what the some slavery shit? And so I got a strong team. I just send that shit to Dick. He look over it. He was like, nah, bro. He explained to me what it's insane. I don't even know what the fuck that shit be saying. He he explains to me what's insane and shit. I was like, oh, okay. Fuck no, I ain't doing that. Like, so. I didn't, have, I, I didn't, I didn't have made promises that didn't come from the major hitter, like who changed my fucking life. But you know, it is what it is. I never complain. I didn't complain. It is what it is. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, not see me at the gym. I'm always at the gym, sparring, always working. So I'm always trying to get better. And I think that, that this fight is going to be a turning point for me because I'm taking off this fight. I'm back in the gym. I'm taking off this weekend just to let the soreness go. But I'm back in the gym Monday. All next week, camp starts. For me, camp starts the following week after that. But I'll be back in the gym. I'm not taking no days off. I feel like uh, 
I'm finna, I'm finna turn a major corner for me. I'm trying to finish this year off strongly. I mean, strongly. And so, once I'm 11 and 0, I have a better opportunity of fighting somebody that's on a bigger stage. One of the top ranks fighters, one of the PBC fighters, or Triller fighters, or Probellum fighters, zone. It don't matter. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm gonna be there to whoop their ass. They're gonna look at that 11 and 0 record with zero knockout, and they're gonna be like, okay, he don't hit hard. You ain't got to worry about him hitting him. They're going to think they're just as good as a boxer as me. Like, you're a good boxer, just as good as him, maybe even better. They're going to think that until they get in there with me. And then they're going to find out. How do you have that that mentality where it just it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. You, like, you adjust to anything. Um, Man, it's just, I've, I've always watched the sport when I've been in love with boxing since I was a child. And those are just the fighters that I watch. I watch Floyd talk his shit, confidence. I watch Roy Jones talk his shit, Bernard Hopkins, Delahoya, Shane Mosley. The the era of fighters that I grew up watching all fought. They were some cold dogs. So, and then, like I told you, I'm a street kid. I'm from the hood. Like, backing down from a fight was unacceptable. Running from somebody was unacceptable. Confidence was everything. And so, and I was a heavy street fighter. I mean, always fighting in school or the street, so. It's just kind of, and then I'm raised by my mom. My mom is a tough woman. Like there is no mama. She funny too. There's no weak men in my family because all I'm the majority of all my cousins, all the males in my family are raised by women, and the women in my family is is tougher than any half the men I know. So we didn't. We we, there was no softness. There's always tough love, and so that's just how I am. And uh, Derek, is there anything? Because I know Derek, he always has like these um, these quotes, these statements, these metaphors. You just quoted something that I hear Derek say all the time. Fuck him, fuck him. So, is there anything <laughs> like how is the dynamic like in the corner when you guys are working together? Do you, like how do you talk to him? What do you need to say? Like what motivates Q in the corner? Me, you as me? Yes, Derek. That's your name. Oh shit! Yeah, that's that motherfucker rough, huh? Uh, <laughs> I talk to him just like I talk to him when we in the gym or in on on a uh, on the phone or whatever. You know, I don't get excited a lot, and so if I get excited, he normally knows. Okay, it must be something serious or whatever. But you know. Quentin, along with that confidence, like all that sounds good, and he's confident, very confident, and all that shit. But it comes, it stems from, from my vantage point, him being able to depend on himself when he can't depend on anybody else. So, if he knows there's a job to do, he fucking does it. It's just, it's, it's, it's almost like a blue collar, like a blue collar thinking mixed with his ability as a boxer. But he's like. You know, if these people don't do what they say or this person don't do what they say, it still got to get done. And and I, you know, hopefully, I mean, the reason why he responds he responds to me like he does, hopefully, is because he knows I know that, and I know that it's me and him there, and 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 I know he knows I got it as much as he got me. And uh, hey, man. 
you got to fucking put your head down and go forward or whatever the case may be. But I don't got, I don't, I'm not a yellow in the corner. I, I don't do none of that shit because I feel like I'm at this point, I'm there to remind you of what we planned on. Right. Or it's a fight. So sometimes we got to call an audible. Right. And shit ain't going the way we want it. Okay. We got to do this, but we've always, since he's been an amateur, we've always had, I'm a little different than everybody, I guess, in the way that I'm meticulous with this shit. Like we gonna we gonna do this, and if that don't work, we got this, this, and this. And then and then, and if something else don't work, we always got old trusted with what we do normally, you know. So I'm just basically there. I don't get confused and and you know thinking I'm actually fighting and shit. Like I, I see a lot of these coaches trying to trying to get man. Look, I'm impressed by. He's in there fighting. At the end of the day, I'm trying to remind him of, you know, to stay on task or, or uh, you know, don't get lackadaisical with certain elements. But he's doing the fighting. He's doing the winning. He's doing all the preparation. And uh, I think we got a great dynamic because much like my relationship with you, Jeff, it's just based on fucking honors. I'm going to be honest with you whether you like it or not. I'm gonna be honest with you, rather you're emotional and all that shit. And 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 I respect and 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 I expect that back. And he's the same way with me. You know, we've been together a lot of years now, man. And and if 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 there's something I'm doing he don't like, he'll tell me. Hey man, nah, it'd be me and him. And hey man, I think this, that, and the third. Okay. And I'll take that into consideration the same way uh he's taking in consideration what I'm telling him. I think through I think when you with a guy when you with a guy well over a decade or whatever and neither me or him's rich, neither me and him ain't there's nothing I'm using him for other than to win fights. And and to to I think we both I think we both got a legacy we wanna leave and he's got a reason for it, you know. Uh, I do too, and I think we got the same goal. That once you build that, once you build that with a person, you know, I don't got a fucking check on point. I don't got a, I don't, he don't got a check on me. If if somebody came to Quentin and said, "Man, D told me this," whatever it's about, about him or anybody or whatever, the, I promise you, he's gonna say, "No, he didn't say that." And I'm gonna say the same shit. I'm gonna say, nah, my kid ain't say that shit. You're a lying motherfucker. So once you build that rapport and you have the same goals, you know, you just call audibles when shit changes. You know, I heard you, I heard you earlier say a lot of people either fighters don't know the business, it's facts. Because, you know, your your example was A side, B side. Listen, people, people have caught on to that jargon for whatever reason in the last day. But here's the truth. That A side, B side y'all talking about just means, okay, he's with the promoter or not. Because it's not really an A side, B side unless you're selling fucking tickets. Unless somebody came up and said, you getting a million dollars or, you know, 250 grand for this fight. It's because you bring in way more than that and you getting paid that. So yeah, sure, you're an A side now. But locally, right? When you fight on when when you or Quentin fight on a next fight up card, yeah, y'all y'all A side because y'all the promoters fighters, right? 
So mm-hmm. the other people we don't really care about. But Jeff, to you commanding a hundred thousand to fight in Houston, it's really not. It's really not an A side. It's just. It's just. And kids get caught up in that shit. And I don't want y'all to get caught up on that shit because anything can happen, and that shit goes out the window, and then. Then you sitting there going, I, well, I thought I was the A-side. No, nah, you were never no fucking A-side. These promoters are trying to sell these tickets. Now, if you're in business with the promoter, they're trying to protect you from that aspect. But you're right. Nobody understands this shit. Nobody. And, and, and I'm not a fucking genius. I just, you know, I have the years in the game and, and watching my family mm-hmm. promote fights and, and be, be in the main event of a fight. I, I'm sitting there, you know, as a fucking 20-year-old kid going, Okay, what they doing? How much you getting for this? Why are you choosing to sell tickets rather than the the five thousand they won't pay you? Because, cause I'm gonna pack five thousand motherfuckers in here, cause it's me. Oh, okay. So now you're figuring it out and and understanding the business because at the end of the day, the the business people, the promoters, the managers, they're not in it to educate you. They're not in it to educate you. They're in it to make you a commodity and make money off of it. Now, if you got a manager that cares about you, great. That's even better because they'll go to bat with you and stick with you when the chips are down. But it's still just selling shit. It's still selling a movie. It's still Top Gun. You know, is Top Gun going to pack them in the theaters? Well, guess what? If Top Gun packs them in the theaters, they got 18 screens in this theater rather than the two that this other fucking uh, movie got, right? Why is that? Because people are going to come see Top Gun, right? So it's got a lot of moving parts. And, and 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 I think being with Quentin from the start, outside of that time of party he, he uh, alluded to earlier, I think with him and I, it's no, it's no misunderstandings, okay? For whatever reason, we ended up together and this is the goal, this is the objective. Say, D, this motherfucker told me this. What you think about this? I think it's bullshit. You know, hey, D, this motherfucker told me this. What you think? Ah, that, that that sounds right. Now let's see how they move from now on. But you can't fake those relationships. You, it, it took for us to go through a lot of shit, a lot of shit together, good and bad, to get to this part. Uh, yeah. Q, is there anything that... um? Obviously, I mean, you and Derek are still together after all these years, but there is there anything, like one thing that you can think about that Derek has taught you or told you that has never left your mind? It's a few things. Uh, the only thing, I, the thing that come off top of my head, he told me this when I first met him, when I was training. And my body was sore. You know, I didn't understand uh, what training meant at the time in sparring. He would tell me, you can't be Superman every day. I use that shit to this day. I, I tell the motherfucking Harper, you can't be Superman every day. Meaning, you can't be like, you're going to have some bad days in the gym. You're going to have some good days. You you think you're going to just go in the gym and whoop everybody ass and look like a superstar every time you're in the ring. Nah, it don't work like that. So... That's off top. There's a few of them, but that one's one that stuck with me since shit, 2011. Yeah, and I'm sure that helps with like 
you know, when you don't have a good day, it's like, well, I mean, I'm good because I can be Superman tomorrow. Like, you know, even Superman had kryptonite. When he tell me, when he told me that, I was still shit like, fuck that. I'm still gonna try to be Superman. <laughs> so, I might have told. Like I, I told somebody. I think it's you, Jeff. But you know, this shit is ego driven, right? And the ego, the ego is good and bad. The ego can be horrible for you, you know, and then, but the ego can also motivate you. But if you have an understanding that, you know, you need to rest, you know, you're going to, you're going to get in some sparring with a motherfucker that's going to whoop your ass that you think he shouldn't, but he did, but leave it where it's at. Okay. He had, we had a bad day today. Next week, you know, we can come in and stomp this motherfucker and get him out of here, but the ego is a bad thing because it's like when you you get caught up in your. I I I, I think it was you, but I said, look, don't don't listen to the good shit either. Like here they come with the bad shit. Oh, she ain't this and she ain't that and da 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 da. But see, it's your fault if you believe that the same way it's your fault if you believe the smoke, the smoke shit too. Like oh, this motherfucker's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Because if you buy into that shit, then you lessen. You lessen the work factor. You lessen what it takes to get here, you know. And and we've seen it. You know, is there a bigger example than say a Mike Tyson? You know, once he started believing his own headlines and shit, and got away from all the people that made him who he was, and then he thought he didn't have to get in shape. And I'm just the baddest motherfucker on the planet. All that type of shit. Well, that sounds good as hype and getting you there. But but if you ain't doing the work, if you ain't getting prepared. If you if you staying out late, getting high, getting loaded and shit, it's gonna be an ordinary motherfucker that's gonna stomp your ass in front of the whole world. That's just what's gonna happen. That's how boxing works. And so, you know, it takes a long time to develop a relationship to where. And I think Quinn can tell you this: every camp we getting ready for a fight, I tell him when we're there. He 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 recognizes it too, but sometimes he might have hadn't recognized it yet. No, nah, no, nah, we good. We not, now we just tape off, right? Stay sharp, cause we there. We gonna smash this motherfucker. But it takes relationships. It takes a relationship and building that, building that to for me to learn him, for him to learn me, for your coach to learn you, you to learn your coach. You know what I'm saying? Because it's 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 normal for, you know, did I do enough road work? Did I do enough sparring this time? Did I do enough this? Do I do enough that? And and I always tell. Quentin, for instance, I said, this kid we fighting, bro. Yeah, he's six foot five and all that shit, and he's a tough customer and all that shit. I said, well, son, we too good. We just too good. And the minute you get in there, because you're on your P's and Q's and you're not going to let him punch you, and you're going to establish a jab, you'll, you'll recognize it. You'll say, oh, I'm too good for this motherfucker. So let me let me stay on my shit. And don't allow him to start no trouble. That's that's but it takes a relationship to do that. And and you know, I got fighters, it's why I hate it's why I hate getting fighters. Quentin will tell you this. I hate getting fighters. He was a perfect example. I didn't have to fix shit. Sure, he was a tough, he was a tough guy and willing to fight and fought in the streets and carried gloves as a kid and all that shit. But when he came into the gym, I taught him how to box. I, there was no getting rid of nothing. He was going, what do I need to do here? This and that. I hate getting a fighter that's already a boxer. 
man, that's a lot of fucking work. And then you got to break them down and turn them into somebody. And then especially if you if your if your thing is totally different than his thing, then he, what he's been taught or she's been taught, man, that's a lot of work. Because now I got to build you back up to where you you know, OK, if coach is telling me do this, I can do it. It's going to work because I'm seeing it in the gym. We don't have we. That's that's a that's a that's a uh, that ain't something you just hop in a hop in the gym and switch coaches and all of a sudden it's good now. It's like it doesn't work like that, man. Is there a, anything specific that that Q has taught you, like as a person or anything? Oh, you uh, with my boxing? With anything? Okay, well, the biggest thing with boxing, you know, I come from fighting. And I didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing. You know, if you want to be a a, a a successful fighter, you know, you got to start as a kid, you know, eight, nine years old and, and develop and, and win and all this type of thing. And I remember distinctly, distinctly, you got to remember, man, this dude came into the gym in 2010. That's 20, what, 12, 13 years ago. And so my mind was... 2011. 2011, I said, my mind was, okay, this guy is tall and skinny like I was, long arms, longer arms than than me, and I'm a inch or two uh, inch taller. I said, man, I could I could I could train this guy to fight. I said, but man, he's 20 years old, right? That's my my, my thinking. Man, he's 20 years old. We're gonna be playing catch up. And he's done said that in interviews before, you know, I, I knew I was playing catch up and I, I wanted to be confident of where I was. And long story short, he smashed that idea out of my head. It, and, and I've now evolved myself like, man, I'd much rather work with a kid that's maybe 15, 16 years old, because if he wants to be a fighter and he's coming to the gym on his own, he's going to do the work and we can develop something. Whereas like he said earlier, I had them young kids that was young, nine and 10, who was great. I was turning them into great pugilists, but then life hits them and they go on about their business, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, parents ain't shit. So they fall off, whatever the case may be. And I've, I've definitely evolved with that, you know, with that aspect of the boxing, like, no, if you give me a guy who comes in the gym, in other words, a 20 year old guy comes in the gym, I ain't going to tell him he can't do nothing because he got living proof right there hanging on the wall of what this 20 year old guy came and did. Right. And now he's 30 and look at him. That's really not on the wall in the gym. He got his national posters oh. and shit on. Him. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, cool. but yeah, so I've evolved in that too. Uh, so maybe, he taught me uh, to not be so stuck in ways, you know, uh, when he made the national team. And uh, he he done came, he came back in the gym before that. And he wanted me to try to work with Ron as like a co-trainer. And, and because I felt like I owed him, I was willing to do it. And it lasted a few months, but... And then he said, nah, bro, we just in the gym. Then he, he so he won the nationals. And so we have the relationship and, and everybody knows what was going on at that time too. I don't need to keep bringing it up because he don't, you know, that's, that's old, that's an old story, but 
you know, we would talk constantly, you know, on the phone, text messages, books and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I'm doing this and doing that. And so I'm I'm so old school, even though I'm not I'm not an old guy, but I seem older than what I am because I, I was brought up by old parents and old boxing. So when he's telling me, man, we listening, you know, we doing these weights. Ah, man, what the fuck? You know, I'm like every coach, man. What the fuck they doing my fighter, man? Yeah. And so, and I developed a friendship with Jeff from the team and Kay from the team and all that shit. But, but I had sense enough to say, he would say, nah, bro, listen, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And look what it's doing. And then he's coming home, right? Whenever they ain't traveling, fighting, he's at home fighting. And we're going around fighting people. And I'm seeing the strength. I'm seeing all these things. So I'm going, well, what you going to do, bro? You're going to be hard-headed and just, you know, not see the results because you're going to be an asshole? No, nah, I'm not. Because at the end of the day, I want him to win. So if the shit's working, that's working. We winning. So I've learned that. So I've, I've learned a bunch of shit with him through through boxing that now I don't, you know, do I believe in bodybuilding? No, of course not. But if if if, if he's if he's fucking doing them shrugs and, and doing them whatever them shits is where you building your legs up and shit and your legs are strong as shit. Well, it works. You be doing deadlifts. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not no longer going to say that shit don't work because I'm seeing it works, right? So I learned a bunch of shit. And, and as far as as far as being a man in life, this guy's resiliency is, is almost abnormal. And the only thing we both we both God fearing men. We're not spiritual. We religious. We believe in God, and God sent scripture for us to live by, right? And only God can give a man the constitution to deal with the things this guy has dealt with. And there's no dealing with it wrong, right? Because it ain't supposed to break you. But so in life, the resiliency, you know, hey, I gotta look at my kid. You know what I'm saying? What the fuck, man? This shit's hard on me right now, but look what my fucking kid went through. Man, fuck this. Put your head down and keep walking forward. Simple. Don't mean it's easy, but it's it's simple if you're determined. Yeah. I re so I don't know if a lot of people know the story or like the dynamic between you two. And I appreciate y'all sharing it because you know it just and I really wanted to highlight and make sure that that each of you knew how much you meant to each other. Um, because I, I think, you know, sometimes the dynamic between coach and fighter is, is underappreciated. And, and we really need to know, like, who is in our corner figuratively and realistically. Um, so I know, uh, so Q, you're signed with Next Fight Up, right? Yeah. But we haven't seen you fight on Next Fight Up cars locally. So you're <laughs> on like, a different track. So you... Um, yeah, I, I want to be on the track that you have. <laughs> we, you're a little above us. Uh, so what's the plan moving forward? I know you got a fight um, coming soon, but like, is there a specific um, track, route, deal? I don't know if I'm asking the right question. Hopefully you understand what I'm saying. No, I mean, uh, we haven't fought in Houston because uh, we had other dates scheduled for other cleats. The more TV time we get, the more exposure I get. You know, you yeah. know who I am. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I love fighting home. But Houston knows who I am. Like, if I fight anywhere else and it's on TV or on a, on an app or something like that, that means I get more fans in different states. Get more fans, so it's more exposure for me. So mm-hmm. I'm on a different platform. More people get to see me. So, but I love fighting Houston, man. I never, I've never turned down an opportunity to fight in Houston unless it was for some bigger, bigger money, bigger stage, more, more exposure. Uh, that's it. But other than that, I love fighting Houston, man. So, like I said, I fight September 29th. And after that, um, do you know when that's going to be broadcasted on? It's a black tie event. I don't know how it's going to be broadcasted on. Uh, I've never fought at a black tie event before, but I'm going to do that one. And then uh, I'm going to fight again. I'm, I'm trying to squeeze in two more fights after that. If I can't get two, I'm for sure I'm going to get one. So I'm going to end the year 11 and 0 or 12 and 0. Uh, no, 12 and 0 or 13 and 0. So uh, I'm, I'm really uh, trying to make a. My last fight of the year, though, I want I want somebody that's undefeated like me. Somebody with a good record, solid record. People who, who got a little more attention than I got. And I'm going to beat his ass. So, uh, who are some of the big names in your weight class? Because you fight consistently at 147, right? Yeah, I'm going to fight. Some of the big names. The biggest, the two biggest names is Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford. Uh, mm-hmm. I know both of them personally. But by the time I make it to the top in a two-year time frame, they'll both be at 154. So after that, you got Boots Ennis, you got uh, Virgil Ortiz, you got Conor Ben, you got um, Sheed Ellis, you got some of them other Russian fighters. I can't pronounce their name, but you got some fighters. Uh, skill for skill, I believe. I'm in the mix with every last one of them. Skill for skill. Hell yeah, you can't tell me otherwise because I know what I can do and I know what I've done and it's just the world hasn't seen it yet. So when they finally catch on to it, then they I, I want them to see the cue that's been consistent, not the cue that's getting to fight every nine months or the cue yeah. that's having to fight every year. Nah, I want them to get the consistent version of me that's been fighting every two to three months. And you're going to see. You know, they're going to see what everybody else who saw know already. There was a, a period of time where, like, you – like some fights would like fall out or it just, I think one time you guys traveled, where'd you guys travel to Washington, got on the scale and ended up not fighting. And then, and then the technical draw in Mexico, like how did you stay, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of that, but how did you stay motivated through all of that? Detroit. Oh, Detroit. So, uh, I stay motivated because I don't, I don't have nothing else, bro. This is all I do. Is all I, at this point, it's damn near all I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I've dedicated my life, heart, soul to this sport for over the last 10 years. I don't know nothing else. So if I if I quit this, I have no idea what I would do with myself. i fuck around and fall into a great depression type shit. This shit literally saved my life several times. So with that being said, I don't know nothing else. There's nothing else that gives me that fulfills me. There's nothing else that gives me pleasure. Even when I'm suffering in the gym and I'm going through pain, I love that shit because I know what it's going to do to my body. Like, I know what's, what, what I'm going to come out of it as. Like, I'm going through pain, but when I come out this, I'm going to be a motherfucking monster. So, I love that shit, bro. Like, so I never, I'm never not, I'm self-motivated. I'm never not motivated. I don't have to look at nobody, other fighters. I don't have to look at nobody's story. Uh, 
Should I just think back on my life? That motivates me enough. I'm, I've always been self-motivated. The mm. thought of somebody whipping my ass on national TV and giving me embarrassment, nah, I'm finna get up. Nah. That scares me more than anything, motherfucker. Packing me out and putting me on TV and I'm a meme. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck that. Like that Martin me. And you're not the only boxer who feels like that, too. Like, that this is just all you have, all you know. What, in moments where you feel like, do you ever feel discouraged? Like, I'm not doing this no more. Have you ever? No, I never felt discouraged. Never. Not one time. Uh, I'd have been down on myself sometimes, but never to the point where I thought about quitting. Never. I'd have been down to myself sometimes. Like, man, you, you lost two fights in a row. Because I've only lost two fights in a row one time my whole amateur career. And like, damn, you lost two fights in a row. I ain't never lost two fights in a row. So I'd have been down on myself sometimes. But never to the, I didn't, didn't did a shitty pro career to where I ain't made a lot of money at all. Never somebody ten and zero. You compare the persons that I've made with somebody that's ten and zero compared to somebody who's ten and zero at top ranking PBC or Triller. Shit, it ain't no comparison. They shitting on me. So, but I just struggle with bills, still struggle with it, but I've never deterred. Like, I never, like, that shit make me train hard. Like, all right, nigga, you gotta train your ass off. Make sure you look dominant this next performance. So, hopefully, you get a, a major deal so where you can solve some of your financial problems so you can train more comfortably. You ain't gotta worry about the show. All you can do is focus on this training, training, training. So, yeah, man. So, Nah, I just, I'm always self-motivated. I'm always hungry. I'm always looking to, to fight. Like, if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what I'd do. I'd probably breed dogs full-time, but at the same time, that's, that's, that's still, it don't still fulfill me. It don't give me the joy that boxing does. Yeah, I think that's, that's what's up, man. <laughs> I'm so excited for you and um, just how much like I've witnessed you grow and and I can't wait for the world to catch on. Like, and I think you know I actually saw um, I don't know how many interviews you do. You should probably do more. Um, people need to know your story. People need to know who you are. And in addition to seeing you fight, because you know you want to build those fans. But I saw uh, the interview that you did with the Boxing Voice. I think that raised a lot of like awareness, like cue awareness, because not only is your story unique, um, you know boxing, like, like you literally know boxing. And it's crazy because a lot of boxers just box. They just go into the gym, pick up some gloves, hit a bag, don't know anything about boxing. And um I, I know your future is bright. I'm I'm waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, I studied the sport. I love the sport, so I studied it a lot. So I be knowing what I'm looking at. Sometimes um, I don't I don't pretend to know it all at all, but I know a lot. I'm still learning. Yeah, I know a lot. I know more than most coaches here in Houston. So, but there are a lot of good coaches here. So, but I, I'm still learning myself. I'm still learning myself as a fighter because I'm not a coach. I just, I give advice where I can't give advice if somebody asks me, but I'm not a coach. I'm a fighter. And so, uh, I help coach, but I'm not a coach. So, I'm still learning as a fighter, learning as a fighter. I'm 
developing as a coach later. But um, right now it's all boxing, all fighting. Yeah. Well, and we're about to close up, but is there anything, anything you like want to add? Anybody you want to shout out? Um, Oh shit, man. Next, shout out to my promotion company, Next Fight Up, for keeping the ball rolling. My whole team, my cut guy, Aaron, Lecho, team, it's a squad. Like, man, we, we on our way, man. So, hey, 147. Yeah, special, special shout out to, to Joe and Fires, man, because, you know, when we called his audible and had to reach out to him, they made it. Simple, of course, they want to do business, but uh, I think you know, I think Quinta said, you know, it ain't been nothing he uh required from Farris that he didn't do, you know, and uh, we 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 did our own deal with him, and and you know, Quentin was up front too, like, as long as it's going good, bro, you backing us, man, we gonna stay, you know, we'll stay, you'll be involved with anything we ever do, uh. I, I have no uh I have no complaints with either one of those guys. I, I think I think me and Joe is real cool, you know. We talk a lot, but uh there hasn't really been nothing that Quentin needed that they didn't, you know, that they didn't that they haven't done, you know, and they're keeping them busy, they're keeping them fighting. Uh so yeah, those guys, I mean, we had a relationship before, but now that we in business with them, you know, they they they're they're just as uh you know, solid as they were when we was just friends, you know, and, 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 and doing, you know, doing things with the podcast and at their shows and shit. But yeah, shout out to them guys. Them guys are, uh, are, are real solid dudes, man. Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to them. <laughs> you know, Joe, that's my manager. Mm -hmm. The Dutchman. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for sharing and allowing me to interview you. Um, you gonna to have uh, you gonna have Austin Trout on here, huh? You just won in Germany. Oh yeah, so I'm gonna have Austin on at 2 p.m. Um, today. So y'all make sure y'all tune in on that. Yeah, he just won. Um, Germany. I forgot who he fought against. It was a it was a, a really good opponent. So we'll get more details on that later. And Q look like you about to roll out. <laughs> you gonna put on his seatbelt? <laughs> yeah, man. All right, y'all. Better, better get in from that African dust, bro. You gonna get <laughs> asthma fucking with that shit, man. <laughs> that shit is crazy. All right, y'all. All right, see y'all later. All right.